This is Aminatu So, and she will be reading For Grace by Frank O'Hara. You do not always know what I am feeling. Last night, in the warm spring air, while I was blazing my tirade against someone who doesn't interest me, it was love for you that set me afire. And isn't it odd? For in rooms full of strangers, my most tender feelings writhe and bear the fruit of screaming. Put out your hand. Isn't there an ashtray suddenly there, beside the bed? And someone you love enters the room and says, wouldn't you like the eggs a little different today? And when they arrive, they are just plain scrambled eggs and the warm weather is holding. I'm an Aries, in case you forgot. I'm Alex, and I'm a Sagittarius, and this is the Astropodes podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us, Aminatu So. Hi. 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 How's it going? It's going good. Another Aries? <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> no, you feel very much like an Aries already, I have to say. You're, you're I can't d- wait for you to explain that to me. <laughs> oh, yes. You're a deep April Aries, right? April 8th. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, because I'm a March Aries, so I can feel the There's April a little Aries. bit of a difference, but I think it also has to do with your Libra moon. Um, before we dive in, I'm going to read a bio for Aminatu So. She is the co-host of Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long-distance besties everywhere. She's working on Big Friendship, a memoir about friendship with her friend and co-host, Anne Friedman. You can find out more about the book at bigfriendship.com. Yay! And today we'll be talking about friendship as a theme. Um, That's why we started with this Frank O'Hara poem um, for Grace, because it is a really good example of a poet name-dropping their friends. So first we're going to look at the poem and talk about how it relates to friendship. Last, we'll all talk friends and chosen families when we interview Aminatsu, so stay tuned. We brought in O'Hara specifically because he is a poet, um, New York school poet, um, 50s and 60s, who more or less name drops his friends all the time in his poems. In fact, that's sort of like the subject of his poems is his friendships and his um, thwarted love affairs. And it's kind of a classic New York school thing to do, New York school poetry, to sort of name drop all kinds of stuff, whether it's brands or street names or celebrities, but most importantly, like having your friends in the poem and making your friends be like really important by putting them in there. And so what did you think of the poem? I know, yeah, what did you think of this one, reading this one aloud, or what was it like to read it? Yeah, you're an expert on friendship. Yeah, being the friendship expert. You know, let me tell you the truth. Writing a book about friendship is really uh, exposing how little I know about friendship. So I am the opposite. I'm glad I'm not writing your book because I feel the same. I I know nothing and all of my relationships are in shambles. Um, So that's where I'm coming from. You know, this poem is really lovely. I... uh, it's fascinating to me that you're saying name dropping, like it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, no, it's I, a good thing actually. <laughs> I think about it more as an acknowledgement of the people who make up his life, yeah. and so in that sense, it feels great. I also, you know, I think the reason I love this so much it's because it he says that quiet thing out loud. He's in love with his friends, and yes, I think that's that very that is, much him. That is such a fraught thing to say, right? Because people um, 
people have so many assumptions about what that means. It's like, well, is it a sexual bond? Is it a platonic bond? Mm-hmm. Is it a what? What's going on here? And uh, I just love that he says that like very unabashedly. Like, Me too. I, I love you, and um, and has these like very tender feelings for his friends. So more tenderness between friends always. You're basically summarizing my entire life, which is like these very <laughs> strange, complicated platonic <laughs> friendships. I mean, it's true. Always with Aries, actually. Yeah. And Frank O'Hara is an Aries. That's important. Oh God, yeah. He's March twenty seventh. I have his birthday. Also, Mariah Carey and Quentin Tarantino. We all share that birthday. Um, but what a day! Yeah, it's a, great, it's a great day to be Iconic born. March day. Yeah, yeah. March twenty seventh. But I think that is like a very Aries thing, like what you picked up on the kind of nebulousness of relationships and how they can sort of float from different things and they don't have to be defined or mean different things. I think is something that we all feel is important. Yeah, about I mean, life. you're yeah. reading my whole life, so I feel like I need Me to too. lay down on the floor now. <laughs> I did not know that. Wait, the biggest problem for me is when my friends get married, like, uh, it's a really big problem when you have these really complicated platonic friendships because then their partners have to or don't have to understand them, but it changes something well, about what's them com- too. What's complicated about them? The complication, I think, often because our in, in our culture, uh, marriage still continues to hold such a... Um, it's 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 an understood way of partnering. Mm-hmm. What's complicated about these sanctioned? It's sanctioned, it's sanctioned. by the law. So yeah. you get actual benefits from being married, like tax breaks. You know, right. all kinds of. But social- it's also, I mean, it's also understood. And so, what changes these very close friendships, like O'Hara and maybe Grace or O'Hara and Ashbury and all these people? For me, at least, there's there's something about the friendship that has to change because one. Like this other person has entered and they're in like in a lawful like relationship and they have to be accommodated. And also your friend who's married might feel like a little strange around you because the same time can be devoted to you. The mm-hmm. same kind of energy can be devoted to you. And that's like <laughs> sad, I think. And I, especially as like as a Sagittarius, but also as a poet, I feel like I'm very non-normative. And most of my friendships exist on this plane of extreme, extreme close bond. But... We're never going to get married. We're never going to fuck. I hear you. I mean, I think uh, that's interesting, right? Like, I, um, a lot of my friends are married, and a lot of my friends have been married for a long time, and, and, and some of them have been married multiple times. The marriage itself for me is never the compl- the marriage itself is never the complication. I think that it, it all is about how you communicate about it, right? Because the thing is that if, like, speaking of normativity, your friends that get married, a lot of them will have children. That is also, like, a disruption of the kind of True. unit that you were, or people will but move away. But some are gay and some won't. Not no. saying gay people can't have children. No, but, no, no, no. But this yeah. is what I'm saying, is that I think that, you know, one of the things that is really interesting about what everybody perceives to be a threat to their friendship, like, changes from person to person. Mm-hmm. And so much of it, at the end of the day, is just rooted in communication. It's what are you actually saying about how your lives are changing? Because one person's marriage is another person's, like, taking a job out of the country is another person's... Like, there will always be threats to your relationships, right? But I think that you are very correct in um, in vocalizing the fact that with, you know, if a very close friend gets a new... gets a romantic partner and there is this kind of like undefined like nebulousness or you're not adept at communicating about it 
it's definitely going to feel weird. It's yeah, going to feel going really to feel weird. It's going to be really hard. To me, I hate when my friends have partners because I like to tell secrets. And I hate the knowledge that that person's probably telling someone else my secrets, which always happens. Like, I'll think that I'm telling someone in, like, a womb-like confidence. And, like, I really love that. But then, you know, they'll say, oh, yeah, I told my girlfriend about, you know, all your deepest, darkest secrets. And that really annoys me because it, I have a Scorpio moon, so I like to be really protective with my actual intimate thoughts and like I just hate that idea that people know something about me like for real you and know, why like, our friendship works is clearly I never have a boyfriend yeah. so I never have to worry about you it you never He's have to worry about anyone. it <laughs> well that's by choice by choice I want to say but if anybody out there wants to be my boyfriend I may be available oh, this is what this whole podcast this is, is about okay. this is like okay. a Tinder okay. a grinder but the truth of it is I know if you had a partner you wouldn't tell them my secrets absolutely yeah, not yeah no I just know he wouldn't. Yeah, well, you know I mean, interest- I think that that's, some people do that and some people don't. I definitely have friends that I know for a fact if I tell them anything, uh, they're not keeping it to themselves, whether it's their partner or their mom or their, you know, like, <laughs> the internet. or their coworkers. <laughs> and, you know, and also, like, that's fair. Like, uh, everybody has a right to vent and to do, you know, like, I was like, express yourself how you want. I'm not gonna, uh, right. I'm not gonna uh, disavow your First Amendment rights. Do what you want to do. But I think that you are really right about I, like, I'm an extremely private person, and so it probably has a lot to do with, uh, you know, my, my chart alignment. But if you're, <laughs> if, you're, if you're in the inner circle, you are in the inner circle, yeah. and that, like, means something. Yeah. Me too, yeah. Um, I think it's interesting, because earlier we were talking about um, normativity and non-normativity, whatever that means. For signs, like, for in terms of astrology, I always find... That earth signs, you know, Taurus, Capricorn, Virgo, want to have very normative and clean friendships with you and relationships. Like they're very interested in knowing terms, knowing boundaries, knowing what's going to happen. Whereas water signs, they're going to get very, very close to you. Like, you know, like Scorpios, Pisces, Cancers, like you're going to feel like they want everything. But then when they get married or when a better person comes along, they'll jump ship. Mm -hmm. Fire signs, Aries, Sagittarius, Leo... Those are the people that are like kind of very interested in breaking rules and like are very interested in shaping the friendship to be what they want it to be. I mean, we're all fire signs, so it's interesting that we delved into talking about non-normativity immediately. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more about friendship and chosen families. People are adults. Let them choose the people who are important to them. And it shouldn't be guided by the tax code. It shouldn't be guided Mm -hmm. by, you know, like hospital administrator, like paperwork. It's, It's just like, how do you say to the world, this is my person? So stay tuned. We're back from the break. And now we're going to talk more about friendship. So you're writing a book with your best friend? Mm-hmm. So tell us what your upcoming book, Big Friendship, is about. The book is a memoir about our friendship, and that is really the lens through which we are examining a lot of messages that we get about friendship in general. So it's called Big Friendship because we're focusing on not just your, like, casual friendship or your, like, you know, the people that you see once a year at a college reunion or your coworkers who are your friends now, but really the people who, the people who are your family. You know, like, there's not a good word for you are more than my friend. <laughs> um, and so we are calling that big friendship. 
And uh, we we really and so yeah, so the book is just like an exploration of what like our own friendship means because we are uh, you know like a kind of semi prominent like friend pair, and so many people project their own like friendship story onto us, and we're like no like. We're two. We're two very different people who have our own. Um, there, are, there are obviously like a lot of similarities. I think um, with a lot of people who have these very significant kind of bonds and not a good vocabulary language for saying like this is what this person means to me. That's true. Like we don't have like good paperwork for friendship. It's not sanctioned in the way that you were saying earlier with marriage. Well, it's also not- even just the idea of it, right? Yeah, and also, but you know, so much of it, so much of that for me is like part of it is like definitely like a societal. Um, disconnect between what those kind of like big friends actually mean to you and the way that you can show that to the world but also the way that you can affirm that to each other yeah I think this also has to do with like masculinity femininity and like heteronormativity because queer people have always had queer friendships which are the people that are not your, not your, just your friends, and they're definitely your family. So they're like your right. queer this family. Right. This idea of chosen family yes. is actually like very rooted in queer theory, and and we talk a lot about this actually on our show and in our book in this in the sense that like queer people have modeled for everyone how you can actually be friends with people, and that's because for a long time society didn't want queer people to have con- the conventional idea of what family was, which honestly is just like a big scam. But it also means that so many people borrow from that language of queerness without, like, quite realizing what it is that they're doing. And I think that um, that's—I'm really glad that you brought that up because that is, like, one model of how you can be friends with people and you can— you can really show to the world like what someone means to you, right? And and it really irks me that it came from like a lack of conventional like paperwork. Um, so yeah, I, totally. I don't know. I think about this when thinking about not like trying to look back in the olden days as like some perfect time, but I feel like, you know, people think about the work you do in terms of friendship and long distance and stuff, but because people, you know, have these chosen families because they're not always necessarily, like, living near each other, mm-hmm. you know, you're not having, like, a community where you're all doing something towards the goal of whatever. You're having to have, like, relationships where people are seeking out their own destiny or their own future or whatever in, like, opposite sides in the country, opposite sides of the world. And we have all these tools to try try to like bring, bring us closer together but it seems kind of related to this like we, you know we sort of make these chosen families because we're not given a community bad or good that's close to us anymore right it's like, like we I definitely don't, don't have the model of you know like you live on the same block as your family and you go to church or like mm-hmm. whatever like whatever the institutions of uh, olden days yeah exactly you. I don't know but what I mean by that but, yeah. the th- but the truth is that like that didn't always apply to everyone mm-hmm. right and I also I am very agnostic on, um, you know, is the internet good or bad for Mm. relationships? Because Mm -hmm. I think that technology is neutral. Uh, Humans are the ones that uh, introduce Mm -hmm. complications. And I also think that, you know, telling people that they're, like, for people who are isolated, for example, that the bonds that they have with people, like, via the internet are not valid, I think that's garbage. It's Mm -hmm. like, actually, that's not true. Mm. But I do think, I do think that you're right. But I also think that underneath all of this, it's very ahistorical, 
to claim that, you know, society was just always organized this way. It's like a, a wife and a husband, one mm-hmm. roof, and then they have 17 grandkids, yeah. and that's your family, you know? Yeah. Like, that's not always been true for everyone. And so having to create your own kind of family, that's um, is not a uniquely modern kind of problem, but I think that in the modern era, we have a lot more tools to do that. I think that for me, it really just boils down to people are adults, let them choose the people who are important to them. Yeah. It shouldn't no, be guided I, by the tax code. It shouldn't yes. be guided mm-hmm. by, you know, like hospital administrator, like paperwork. It, it's just like, how do you say to the world, this is my person? Mm. You don't have to be fucking them. You don't have to be related to them by mm-hmm. blood. You don't have like, to share right, you don't have resources. To live under the same roof as them. But how do you, like, as modern adults, like, how do we say, this is my person that I want to choose to go through? through life with. I believe in that very much. I do think that these institutions that are still in place continue to make this very difficult for us. I I would like to very much live within the model that you're describing and try to. But as someone that tries to, I feel like I am constantly having to work twice as hard as other people that are living a more conventional model. Mm -hmm. And that's like really hard because, you know, a lot of my friends, I was going to say a lot of my friends are straight, like it's a bad thing. Well, maybe it is. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's embarrassing but, for sure. <laughs> but, I have, but I have a lot of, I have strangely a lot of straight friends, and some of them are actually like straight men. Oh, God. But, um, and, and one thing that was really fascinating to me. Some of my me, best friends are straight men. Don't come for I know. me, please. Well, I mean, whatever. I'm not going to say anything nice about straight men on this show. But what I will say is that a lot of them are my friends. And what is interesting to me is that I don't think that they've been given access because of the way they were socialized to a kind of very close intimacy. Mm. So um, what I found out in my friendships with them is that they perceive a lot of the times that our friendship is deeper because the way that I am in my friendships with Dottie or with um, other men or with other women... Not to horoscope analyze you, don't you think that this is also an Aries problem, though? Everybody thinks they're your friend all the time. Yes! Well, that is an Aries problem! <laughs> Frank O'Hara problem, um, you know, because everyone, when he passed away, was like, I was Frank O'Hara's best friend, and probably he would be like, none of you are my best friend, right. which is why I've already written a poem that says, these people were my actual friends in life, so that oh, when I you wrote die, it? I wrote it months ago, when I die... Wait, nobody, did I make the cut? Yeah, you're in it, but... Oh, well, yeah, right. Look at the way she's saying are that. You oh, are you going to have to update it every year when I'm you do gonna, your taxes? Yes, gonna, just so if new people update. drop yes, out or come on? Yes, you're in it. Well, that's a perfect thing because Alex and I have written poems and I said I called you my real friend in a poem. It's already written. So anyway, but yeah, just because there's that thing that happens with Aries, especially where everyone's like, oh, yeah, we really share this great bond. We're such good friends. And I'm like, what's this person's right, like name? We had a falafel once. Yeah, I know. And like, like, we're <laughs> I don't even remember who you are. Yet. I'm like, ma'am, we are friendly at best. <laughs> yeah, I had a falafel. I know what you That's mean. That's so scary uh, to me about Aries. Oh, oh God. But it's I'm, not scary to me. Mm. I th- you know, honestly, this is why I keep going back to, like, so much of this is about communication. And I know that, yeah. you know, like, that was a very funny haha aside. But it's actually very painful, I think, for both people involved in a friendship to realize that or for for two people involved in any kind of relationship to realize that they're not necessarily on the same emotional page about mm-hmm. what it means to yeah. them. Right. And so I think true. that um, that's something that the older that I've gotten, the more I try to be really conscious of because I have both been the person who is like, oh, like this means more to me than it means to them. And the person that's been the, you know, the asshole that like cares less. Mm-hmm. And I think that that like that is really painful and like 
disorienting for a lot of people. It's really interesting because, I mean, I feel very, like, pro-sex. And I like the narrative of friends then having sex because I am, like, a true love romantic Mm -hmm. person. At the same time, I think there is this, like, kind of almost pressure. I'd say societal pressure when people are friends to want to make them couple. Like, like you almost, like, want them to end up having sex. You People can't deal with, like, the kind of liminal space of people being friends but never taking it to that next step, you know, because they see the only kind of intimacy as like a physical sexual yeah. exchange. And so they can't they can't deal that there might be a spiritual exchange. There might be exactly. like a mental conceptual, you know, um, whatever creative exchange that's like maybe could be even more meaningful than sex. A lot more yeah, meaningful. There's a really good book actually written by this academic, this woman, Angela Chen, um, called Ace, that is about asexuality that we were really lucky to to get to read and uh, and talk to her before we were writing our book. And her her body of work is incredible and I think will add so much to the friendship canon, even though, um, you know, like that was not explicitly what she was doing because I do think that this this pressure of like when you know when two people when two people are close to each other and you see it it happens a lot in straight relationships but i see it happen all the time in queer relationships as well this inability to understand that you can be extremely intimate and close to someone and it does not have to include like a physical expression oh my god mm-hmm. yes of, yes of your feelings is i think i think is something that we need to talk about more because it puts so much pressure on relationships and adds so much confusion and also is really insulting to people who are who you know like that's not what they want to that's not what they want to explore right and so i i'm really excited for people to read this book because it's so smart it's so well done and i think like once and for all you know for for the neanderthal brain like really <laughs> explains like what what it can be like to be in close intimate relationships that do not involve uh, do not involve sex well i think too and they're not less valid yeah they're not less valid um i love that idea and i actually think that artists and poets i mean know this so well because what you were saying Dottie, about creativity there is an exchange that happens like Mm -hmm. creatively spiritually i mean when you're friends with someone because you're both poets or you're both painters that's a very different kind of friendship, too, um, because it sometimes has to do with ideas and how you both see the world. I mean, can you imagine if people were friends because they saw the world in a certain way or like similarly or differently? People don't aren't really friends because of that. They're they're, they're often friends for very superficial reasons. I mean, people are friends for many different reasons. I, one of the things that like we always tell each other and that's so important for me and a lot of my friendships is that I'm in love with the brains of my friends. Like that is, that's probably my first nexus of attraction mm-hmm. is, you know, how smart I think they are or how they are organizing their thoughts or how they are seeing the world or how they are. It's, it sounds very like National Merit Scholar, <laughs> but uh, it's a, you know, I'm like, that's my kink is brains. I'm super into it. Mm. But, you know, I think, too, that you're allowed to change your mind and you're allowed to like when you know someone over the course of decades, even over the course of years and maybe even months, you are allowed to to feel all of the things that you might feel towards a romantic partner, you know, and 
And I think that that's also part of being an adult. Like, it's normal to have crushes on your friend. Like, there's actually no, you shouldn't feel ashamed about it, but we are made to feel ashamed about it all the time. You shouldn't feel like, you know, that you're doing something wrong and transgressive. And I was like, no, if you spend, for me at least, if I spend enough time with someone, I will probably fall in love with them. I agree. I was like, yeah, yeah, same that's way. I was like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I was like, I like, I have professors I've been in love with. I have, um, you know, when I look at who my closest friends are, I'm in love with all of them. Do you think friendship can be a forever love? I think that, um, for me at least, I think that all, all relationships can peril. And that's the energy that I take into every relationship. So I want to enjoy every day. I want them to succeed, obviously. But when a relationship fails, it um, it's obviously very painful. But I don't cling on to the fact that it was supposed to be forever. I'm like, nothing yeah. is forever. Like, we die. Like, that. Like yeah. that's not forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that... You know, and I think probably some of it, too, is probably a a protection mechanism, right? It's like a it's a way to just gird yourself for the inevitable, like you're investing and pouring so much into a relationship, but nothing is guaranteed. It takes two people to make a relationship work. And I am only luck too, right. And a lot of luck, actually. And a lot of, you know, I'm like a lot of just uh, dumb hangouts and small moments and the universe throwing you a bone. But I, you know, at the end of the day, I the only thing that I can control is my is what I am doing. And you take this huge leap of faith. And this is true in almost every relationship that you will have. Yeah. You have to trust that the other person is in it for the same reasons that you're in. You have to trust that they're also pulling, you know, their emotional weight and they're doing they're doing all the things that they're supposed to do. But I, you know, I just I just don't believe that everything lasts forever. When it comes to romantic relationships, I'm, you know, like that, I'm like, that definitely does not last forever. Um, statistically, that is... <laughs> and oftentimes people stay together when they know they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that it's a very, uh, it's a very kind of juvenile kind of idea of like, oh, like this is forever. And I also think that in honestly in friendship makes you mis- misbehave a little bit because there is just this idea that if it's forever, then you don't have to work at it. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sorry. If your days are numbered, you need to fucking work at it every single day. Absolutely. Because, um, you know, there's just all this language for like marriage is work and like being a parent is work. Well, guess what? Being a friend is a lot of fucking work too. <laughs> and you, you have to show up every day. And if you don't show up, then your relationship is probably going to fail. Well, it's been such a delight to talk to you. I wish we had many more hours because there's so many more things we wanted to say and ask you. And Text so, me. Text oh. me all your thoughts about my chart. I want to know. About friendship, too. I'm like very curious what your, just your whole ethos on friendship is very similar to mine. So <laughs> One no. day we will eat falafels together and hopefully and that will mean something. <laughs> it will mean something. It will mean something, yeah. You know, I think my ethos about friendship is you should just tell people who are your friends that they're your friends mm-hmm. that's what you should do and you should try your goddamn best <laughs> <laughs> anything you want to tell us about upcoming or yeah I mean, um, any, yeah what do you have in store for the to tell the people we're heading on tour with call your girlfriend there's still tickets available all ticketing information is at callyourgirlfriend.com slash tour <laughs> So we want to thank Aminatu one more time for coming on the show. So this is the end of our episode. This podcast is hosted by me, Dorothy Alasky. And me, Alex Dimitrov. It's produced by Becky Celestina. 
If you like it, um, please subscribe and rate us on your podcast app. You can also call our voicemail, 646-397-7573, and we may play it on a future episode. You can also send us a voice memo at astropodcast at macmillan.com. And make sure to pre-order our book or our audiobook, Astro Poets, Your Guides to the Zodiac, using the link in the show notes. It's out on October 29th, which is coming up. So go to astropoetsbook.com for more information. You can also follow us on Twitter at Poet Astrologers. We're the Astro Poets on there, but that's our tag. And for more information about Macmillan's other shows, go to macmillanpodcast.com. That's M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N podcast. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in two weeks. This is a line from Louise Glick's poem Ceremony. I have deep friendships. I have friendships with other recluses.